Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. And when you are faithful to be of service to the Lord and to be an instrument to be used in His hand, you do not know the moment nor the hour that God would use strategically to bring some significant developments within the heart of somebody else. For me, I just got up Saturday morning thinking, Uncle Trevor's funeral, do my best to administrate it, comfort the family, etc., and be faithful to the Lord to represent Him in how I do this. And God used that for, a, for something very, very significant. I want to encourage you in the normal busyness of a usual day, a significant development can happen. The Bible says that Peter and John were on their way to the temple to pray, remember? And they met a man at the gate, beautiful. He held out his arms and he asked for money, for alms. And they said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and, and walk. That man received great healing physically, and great salvation in terms of his soul and spirit, that layman. And the Bible says, and he went into the temple. In other words, he sat at the gate for a very long time, all his life, not so, begging. He could not enter a reality. The temple speaks of a spiritual reality that he could not enter. He only sat at the gates. Sometimes many of us sit at the gate of something God wants to lead us, into you you're right there you're right there but you can't access it and this man's problem was lameness and god wants to break the lameness of people's mobility the inability to move definitively into the purposes of the lord and the bible says he found his feet was found in the temple of the lord they're worshiping the lord my point is the bible says this all happened at the ninth hour of prayer when Peter and John were as it was their custom to daily go into the temple and pray. In the normality of their faithfulness, God did something very strategic for somebody else. In the normalness of what you are called to do faithfully, just carry on. You never know the day, the moment, nor the hour where you think like you're just drudging along, doing the same thing day in, day out, and nothing significant is developing. I'm here to encourage you. God will always work strategic things with those whose hearts are faithful to Him. Tell your neighbor, be faithful. I can't tell you how many times Father Ross Cupperton said that to me. Be faithful. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I share this on the group and on Facebook. I went to visit, it's been in my heart for a long while. When I say a long while, I'm talking like three years. I would say to Renee, we must go see Father Ross Cupperson. But the events of life and the busyness of our program just didn't allow for it. 
Father Ross Cuthbertson was a, a priest in the Anglican Church in Wentworth for many years. My mom was an ardent Christian. She loved the Lord very much. And she was an essential part of the St. Gabriel's Anglican Church in Wentworth. They were still in Goshen Road at the bottom there, in the Extend Road, Goshen Road, McDinas. And who remembers McDinas? There's a little shop they call McDinas at the bottom. And um, the, Father Ross Cuthbertson started St. Gabriel's Church in somebody's home. And that little building came up for rental, and they started renting that, and they started having services there. I was three years old, right? So my mom would drag me to church every Sunday. I remember they used to have the 6 o'clock mass. You're thinking 9 o'clock's a problem, brethren. We were 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning. We had to be up by 5. 6 o'clock, we would walk through Eckstein Road. I remember like dark winters. My mom holding my hand. Sheila B. Don't play with Sheila B. She would drag me and drag me to church. And I remember in that little building, they, I remember they draped it with like a maroon draping. All around there was trappings of gold and these benches. And they developed like a little altar, you know, a typical Anglican setting. Little altar with candles, etc. But I recall distinctly the moves of the Holy Ghost in that little building. When I say authentic moves of the Holy Ghost, I literally mean that, brethren. Like clear presence of God in the place. Very clear. And um, when I was five years old, by the time I was five, they had, in the process, started building the building that they have presently, the big building, in Horseville Drive. Uh, by six, I was thrust into the altar service. I had no choice. My mom decided things for me. <laughs> and I was a boat boy. A boat boy is the, is the boy that carried the, the boat. <laughs> the boat was a little ornament with incense in. So the guy who swung the thurible, the thurible was that long chain with the burning coals and smoke would come out. You seen that thing in the Anglican church? And when he would lead the procession, the thurible swinger would lead and holding a boat boy. I would be the boat boy next to the thurible swinger. Whenever he needed the thing to smoke more, he would say, open, open the boat. Open the boat or take a teaspoon and pour it on the coals. And then, whew, the presence of the Lord. <laughs> that's how we thought, no, little mind, little boy, oh, God is here. You know, that's all I knew, God is here. In this ash, in the smoke, you know. And there was, let me just say, through all the symbolism of that day, God pitched. God honored the hearts of people. I remember people being healed. Fortunately for us, I think Ross Cuthbertson was a different kind of Anglican priest. He didn't follow the letter of the law in the Anglicism, he was full with the Holy Ghost. He spoke in tongues. He sang in tongues and he sang the prophetic song of the Lord over the congregation every single week. Right? Every single week. He had the most operatic of voices that boomed. You know, the presence in Gabriel's is a high ceiling, so it's like vacuous, cavernous. So anyone sings in there, the, the voice will fill the place. He would do that. He would preach with such fervor. And so long ago, I was in... Uh, under one of Pastor Thamo's teachings, I remember him talking about honor those that went on before you. And the Lord told me specifically, Ross Cuthbertson. And I was, I was thinking of all the people that were instrumental in my life, all the leaders. The Lord said to me, you haven't honored the person who started the process. 
Father Ross Cutbertson. This brethren, I'm, I'm, this is confession time, right? This happened three years or four years back. And I disobeyed the Lord by not following on quickly enough to do it in time. Right? And so I can tell you um, about two weeks ago, the thought came into my heart again. I don't know, out of the blue, I started thinking of him. The Lord impressed this. Then I pulled out my diary and I saw the busyness of my program. So I was looking, I started flipping like May, you know, June, July. I'm trying to find a gap somewhere. So I wanted to make a special day. And then I, I was about to, to pin a possibility. And the Lord said to me, whatever you do, do quickly. Do it now. Don't defer this. Not this. Not this. Do it now. Do you know that delayed obedience is equated to disobedience? If God speaks to you about a thing now, don't defer. I first in my heart had to repent. I said, God, forgive me for not obeying spontaneously when you spoke to me about the matter. But now I want to. It was a task trying to track him down. Eventually, one person um, managed, managed to track his number down. I found him. Hi, Father Ross. This is Randolph Barnwell. He says, who? I said, Randolph Barnwell. He said, Barnwell, I know. Randolph? I said, Sheila Barnwell's son. Oh, Sheila Barnwell. That lady always came to church. That's his memory of my mom. He said, oh, Sheila Barnwell, 12 Silvertree Road. He remembered our dress. In so he says, 12 Silvertree Road went to it. That lady was always in church. He remembers. He says, oh, you the young boy. Randolph, yes. And he started, he said, please forgive me. You need to spark my memory about certain things. But now that you say that, I remember you very clearly. I said, Renee, this week is chaotic. Look at this. And I said, I was supposed to be in two meetings on this Friday. I said, I'm canceling these two, the morning one and the evening one. I said, we have to go to Marisburg. I phoned him. I said, Father Cuppertson, are you available on Friday? We'd like to come and see you just for a few moments. He said, no problem. I got all day. <laughs> I said, okay, I will come and spend some time with you. And so we arrived there. Uh, he's living in a little cottage for, for retired priests, and uh, we went over. Man, the man has got an agile mind, sharp. He remembers details. The moment you say a thing, it's like a world opens to him, and he plunges therein, and he remembers details about events and, and circumstances. And then it was very, very nostalgic and emotional for us, as it was for him. Because um, God flashed in my mind my whole boyhood and early teenagehood under his leadership. And God said this to me. There was not one time in your life, and I'm talking to other couples and I'm hearing the Lord saying, God said to me, there was not one time in your life that you were not without a father or some fatherly figure that I positioned in your life. And the Lord said this to me. Now, you, you, you came there, you went to, to Pastor Lafoy, and in Pastor Lafoy's oversight, there were various ministers under his domain that gave me oversight and very sincere and authentic oversight. And now Pastor Thamo and I do, and others are providing fatherly oversight to us. The Lord said to me, I never left you without being fathered. If ever I heard the Lord God said, you were not fatherless. I never left you without being fathered. 
And then the Lord frightened me. God said to me, that is why now I expect more from you than others. Because you were given much. The Lord said this to me, to whom much is given, much is required. And then I resolved in my heart, and all this is happening in my heart. He's sitting on the couch opposite me, and we're busy chatting, and I can hear God lodging some things in my spirit. And then I said to the Lord in my heart, I will do whatever your will demands from this point onwards. There'll be nothing too big, nothing too great, nothing too costly. For I feel like privileged because many people did not have what I had in terms of being fathered so consistently. The Lord this, and the Lord said to me, now if you harness the compliment, everyone say the compliment. If you harness the varying graces and anointings given to you, because there were various people. And if, if you, it was like a compendium of different things that I lodged in you to make you what you are. Now I expect more from you. And the Lord has said to me, harness that and you can, in a moment, break the cycle of fatherlessness in others by, by virtue of what you represent. And I want to encourage you because I'm your leader, your spiritual leader. I want to encourage you this, with this thought. Be in your own small way a father to your world. You are the son of God. The son of God's preeminent responsibility is to represent his, his father. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, and what? If everyone say everlasting father. Who is called everlasting father? Who is called? In that verse? Jesus. Would you say no? Father, Son, and Spirit are distinct persons. Yes, they are. But when the child born becomes the Son given, the Son given becomes an everlasting father to those to whom he is given. In other words, it's not like he becomes the father. But his job is to show others the Father in his sonship. Your sonship responsibility is to show a fatherless society what fatherhood looks like now. And I came away with a new resolve. I said, God, as you made Abraham a father of many nations. Remember it says, and God made Abraham a, a father of nations. I said, God, make me the father that you desire for me to be. Teach me greater patience with people. Teach me greater love for people. If anything, I've learned from all the fathers that fathered me over time is the one thing that stands out is their love. Everyone say love. I want to encourage you, love the people in your world. You are a son, but one of the names, name means nature. His name shall, his nature shall be one of them. The eternal Everlasting means eternal. The eternal principle of Father abiding in the Son that He expresses Himself through the Son to many people. What will it take to break fatherlessness in people? It's a Father. You cannot break orphanity by the spirit of the orphan. An orphan can't deliver another orphan out of orphanity. It takes a Son 
to break the spirit of orphanity in the orphan. It takes one who is fathered to break the spirit of fatherlessness in, in others. And this is, I'm sharing this with you. I'm right off what I wanted to share here. I wanted to continue on righteousness. But please just hear, I believe this is by the spirit of the Lord. It takes, it's like nobody can redeem themselves if they are powerless to do so. It takes one to come into their world. But the one who comes into their world must then represent the answer to what they need. Okay? So it's by fatherhood that you break fatherlessness. You are the son. And all of you, even, even you young boys, you young girls, even at school, those of you in primary school, high school, university, those of you at work, in your workplace, when you go to, when you go to your workplace tomorrow or to your place of education, or learning tomorrow, go with this mindset. I'm going to show them what the Father looks like, the Heavenly Father. I am a son of God. My name, I'm the child given, the son born, like it was true of Jesus. One of my natures, like as was his, is that I exhibit the principle of Father to, to others. Okay? That is why I train myself if one of the boys, little boys, come running to me, it's not like there are a whole lot of adults here. It's church time. I don't, if you notice, I don't fob them off. What do I do? I'll stop. I'll not let the adult wait, not them. Right? I'll take my, why? What am I training? What am I gymming? What am I training myself to do? Training myself in the nature of the, the nature of the Father. And he said, uh, Father Cupperton did, said a few things to us that um, really was um, quite significant. I shared two with you on the WhatsApp group. On the Facebook post, I updated it to about four or five. Because as I thought in the day, certain things would come back to my memory. Oh, he said that too. Oh, he said that. He said that too. And I want to share these. I want to share these with you. This is what he said. Four major things. Son, he kept saying to me, son, Randolph, and my boy. <laughs> my boy, he said, Randolph. He said, son, listen, I use these terms interchangeably. He said, son, be true and faithful to who God made you to be in. These are exact, exact, I'm quoting verbatim. Be faithful to who God made you in Christ and to where you are presently in Christ. Right? I think we were talking about the responsibility of ministers at one stage and the task of being faithful and authentic and sincere. We were talking. And I think I hinted at sometimes my ineligibility I feel for certain things. He says, no, 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 no. No, put that thinking aside. You just be faithful to who you are in Christ. And be faithful to where you are in Christ. In other words, the level that you've attained, just be faithful to that. And he intimated this, that God would take you to the next level. But don't aspire to the next level if you're unfaithful to the prior level. Be faithful to who God made you in Christ and where you are in your journey in Christ. 
okay? I used to often say in my growth in the Assemblies of God days, one of the elders would say to me, Randolph, you need to share the word. I can see you can share the word. We used to have open ministry on a Sunday where there was 10 to 15 minutes allowed for anybody in the congregation to share. So whenever it came, this elder would like stare at me. Go. Go up. I said, no. I was like, no. And it was happening for weeks. And he, he, I could see he was getting frustrated. So one day he came to me and says, why aren't you sharing? Just go for five minutes. I, I said to him, I don't know enough. Or like of the Bible, of the pr- I don't, I, I don't be lack. Con- I want to be sure of what I need to say. So he said to me, "You tell me, you know nothing of the Bible." I said, "Well, a little bit." He says, "Just that little bit, you know, share it. That little bit, be faithful with the little." He says, "Because if you're not faithful with the little, you're not going to go to receive the much." So yeah, I'm waiting for the full revelation of the whole Bible before I start speaking. He says, you will never get there. Just start where you are and see where God takes you. So tell your neighbor, start. Come on, tell someone, start. Right? And then he said this. Randolph, be acutely aware of the enemy's desire to tempt you. Be aware as to what is around the corner. Now, let me explain where and why he said this. We had a meal at the Marisburg Mall, Ocean Basket. So Renee walked on to a shop. So the two of us are walking together, and we're about to hit a corner to go to pick and pay. We were going to buy him some groceries. So we're about to hit the corner. And we were talking. He said, you know, Randolph, you are young. Be constantly aware of the enemy's desire to tempt you. And now we're coming, he says, you don't know what's around the corner. And he had this way of communicating. He says, you don't know what's around the corner, so open your eyes. And I took that as a warning from the Lord for my own life. If it's a warning for me, it's a warning for you. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, be careful of the enemy's desire to tempt you. Just be careful. Tell him, be careful of what's around the corner. Right? You never know. Don't just say, I'm strong, I can handle anything. The Bible says, um, if any man thinks he's strong, he must beware, lest he falls. Our, our sufficiency is of Christ. Amen? And so we must always find the need to constantly defer to the Lord. Thirdly, he said, my boy, fulfill your ministry. I have run my race. The end is near for me. It is now your time and your turn. Just be faithful. Very wise words. I have run my course. It's now your time. Just be be faithful. And then he said this. The one thing I appreciate about Ross Cuthbertson is this. Life in the spirit he knew was full with the Holy Ghost. Everything he did was by the, by the spirit of the Lord. Right? And so, he said this, this was right at the end, we were, we, we had shopped for him, oh, I must relate this to you. My heart, I just want to bless the man. We took a loan to bless him financially. I said, God, I can never go there to a man of that caliber, empty-handed. I said, I'm going to bless him to the, the best I can, I can do. Um, we had collected a whole lot of gifts of various things. We put them in a big, like a, 
like a, a bag, a gift bag for him. And so while we were shopping, I said, Father Cupperson, so we're shopping. So I said to Renee, get the trolley, not a basket, get the trolley. And so we're going aisle by aisle. So I said, Father Cupperson, today is your day. Whatever you need, take it. We're going aisle by aisle, just choose. So we're walking, and you know him, he will not. I, I, I prompted him at every aisle. I said, do you have bread? Do you have milk? Do you have uh, vegetables, whatever, right? We passed the, the yogurt. I said, do you like yogurt? He says, uh, I said, it looks like you like yogurt. <laughs> then he said, okay, low fat, no sugar. <laughs> and so we walked at every aisle. Now he loves soup. I only discovered this. He loves soup. And he loves the pack of soups, not the Royco things. So we're in that aisle. I said, what's your favorite uh, flavor? He said, the onion and the beef. So we go there. So he said, oh, this one, yeah. He takes us two. I, I put the whole rack in. I put my hand. Say, take all of this, fathers, for you. He said, you like this flavor? What about this other flavor? And I chose a few other flavors. We put it in. So we got things. So we got home. We unpacked them in his house. This is after spending the whole day of discussing various things in his lounge with him. And then over the lunch at Ocean Basket, we went to the shop. We're on our way back. We're in the house. I said, Father, we have this bag of gifts for you. So we gave him, and he's so blessed by various things. We're giving him the gifts, and we gave him the, the money, the envelope, a lot of money. So he says, what's this? I said, some money to bless you, and I said, the amount. So he, he throws his hands in the air like this. He says, Father... You must be joking. <laughs> he says, Father, you must be. He got that kind of relationship with God. And he's so conversational. It's so right. It's so ready. It's so vital. It's so authentic. It's so sincere. And he says, he put it down on this table. And he, and he starts to pray for us. He lifts up his hands. He prays this lengthy prayer. All I can tell you, brethren, I, all of heaven, just opened up. I felt the heavens open. And specifically when he said at the end, and now may great grace, peace, and the mercy of God never, ever leave you all the days of your life. Right? We were extremely emotional, etc. I just received that, that sense of impartation. I asked for his bank account so we can do this recurrently. He was so reluctant to give it to us because that's the nature of the man, a very humble person. Um, this last thing he said to us, number four. We're in the driveway now. We're walking up to our car. He's seeing us off. And, uh, oh, by the way, he's full of wit, eh? If ever you met a humorous man, I, I did not laugh more in one day like I did on Friday. It's like he's quick on the draw. He's a, just a, he's, a, he's a highly spiritual man, but very normal human being. You know, I said, wow, if only it could be half the man you are, I'd be very, very happy. And um, so we're walking up to the driveway, walks us to our car, and he says this. Oh, by the way, before I tell you this, whenever I would bring up an aspect about St. Gabriel's or life uh, of the people there, do you know no single church has wrought more ministers in Wentworth than St. Gabriel's. No single church has brought out more ministers of the gospel than that church under his oversight. Both Pentecostal ministers and those in the Anglican movement. 
He was a real father to the Wentworth when, in a time when fatherlessness was rampant in our area. Right? All, all I know, you know, a little boy, I just saw him as God. But whenever I said to him, thank you for this, thank you for that. You know what was his instantaneous reflexive response? He's saying, it was not me. That was not me. It was Christ in me. I had nothing to do with it, he would say. I just, it was Christ working in me. And I drew so much from that. Everyone said, it was not me. May I encourage you, whenever someone pats you on the back or commends you, in, but this is not, not going to be my favorite response. It's not me, it's Christ in me. Or like Paul say, it's the grace of God. I am what I am by the, by the grace of God. And then, um, he said this to me as we were walking up to the car. Always remember, without the power of the Holy Spirit, what you do is really nothing. In all you do and seek to do for Christ, do it in the power of the Spirit. It makes all the difference. Life in the Spirit, it's what it's all about. He said, Randolph, if whatever you're doing, you don't do it in the Spirit, you're doing something, but you're doing nothing at all. Unless it's Holy Spirit directed and Holy Spirit driven. Okay? Now, I, I felt the impulse of the Lord to post this on Facebook um, late that evening. And I just want to call it up. You'll check my profile. You'll see 94 comments. 94 comments from people in St. Gabriel's and ex-St. Gabriel's people, even as far as Australia. He says, Randolph, you spark something in my spirit now to honor Father Cuthbertson. Listen carefully. The Lord dropped that verse into my spirit. Esteem them highly in love that labor among you and have oversight over you in the Lord. Esteem them highly in love for their work's sake. Amen. And so this has sparked off. Listen carefully. We preach by principle, but we also preach by practice. We are always preaching whether we're using words or not. So sometimes I would say to you, like Paul said to Timothy, you've known my teaching, you've known my conduct, and you've known my purpose. Don't only know the teaching of your spiritual leader. Watch his example. Now, would you like to hear the challenge to you now? Ask your neighbor, are you ready? <laughs> I don't want, by virtue of this, you can honor me in ways in which you want to. But I don't want any focus on me for this one. What I, want you to, what I want to challenge you in the next month to do, don't be like me and put this off for three years. Think about the people in your life from the time you were a little boy to where you are in Christ now. It could be a man, it could be a woman, it could be a pastor, it could be an ex-pastor, Someone in your history, anybody in leadership, it could be a teacher. I'm thinking of Graham for you. I don't know if you are thinking of Graham right now. Yeah, you need to honor Graham. Take him out for dinner. Save up some money. Bless the man. Buy him some gifts. Whatever. Buy him a shirt. 
do what, whatever is within your means. Audrey and your family, Moira, go to Pastor Lafoy. Save something. Go to Earl, Evie. Do something. The Mirbank group, City of Love, go to them. Save something up and say, thank you. I honor you. I bless you. Dennis and Trudy, go to the church that you came from now. You go to, I command you by the Spirit, you go to them and you say, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for all that you've done, for all that you've meant in our lives. Think as far back as you can to anybody that has played a significant role in your development in Christ up to this point. The reasons why I say this, I know biblically this is a key to great grace. I know biblically this is a key to accessing the grace of God in ways that will amaze you. And what you do by your example is that you're not only pleasing to God, but you're establishing a legacy within the lives of your children. And they will carry on the culture of honor, the culture, the kingdom culture is one of great honor. I have seen those who honor greatly are blessed greatly. But it's, 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 it's very disheartening for me to come through passage of life and not to look back and give honor where it's due to those that have really played and helped you uh, in a certain respect in your journey in Christ. This thing has so prompted my heart there are two individuals I'm planning now to take to a breakfast. They're not leaders in any case, but there's two that I, I, I think were there for me at a certain point. People, brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to bless them to the best I can. The Bible says, honor one another. And what if honor, instead of, instead of unforgiveness, instead of backbiting, instead of jealousy, what if honor was the pervading culture? Do you know what's going to happen? The heavens will open. God responds to a culture of, of honor. Amen? Close your eyes. Think about any person right now. And let me just say this to you, brethren. I wanted to do it, and I went to the extreme to, to, to get a loan to do it. Right? But think, think of any person that you are going to honor in Christ. And um, really, really, may I encourage you, think seriously about what you're going to do. Don't let it be like a casual thing. Oh, we'll, we'll see what we'll see. We're going to see what we'll see, what we can do. No, plan. Plan properly. Plan in prayer. Um, as we were driving to Mattersburg, I'm driving there. I'm thinking of what we did. God, be with us. God, we do this in the fear of God. God, we're doing this to a man. But Father, we are honoring you. Do this in the fear of God. Do this in the fear of God. And I'm going to pray a prayer as you say yes in your heart. I believe God's going to give you the resources to do it. Lift your hands to the Lord right now, everybody. I pray that you would be blessed with great grace as you do this. And I pray the resource of the Lord will be your portion. And God will honor your heart to honor the representations of the Lord that have come to you over time. Father, we lift up our hands as a congregation. And I pray in Jesus' name, O oh God, that you, by the power of your Spirit, would grant unto all of us the capacity and the renewed commitment to honor the servants of Christ. 
angels that you have positioned in our lives, true angels sent from above. Like John was a man sent from above, you too have sent men and women in our lives from your hand over time. Father, we are deeply grateful. How grateful we are. You've never left us fatherless. If we look closely, there was always one. Now open our eyes to see. Grant to your church the required grace to obey and the resource to obey as they honor your servants. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.